I didn't grow up in the US, so I didn't really know what Thanksgiving was about. From an outsider's perspective, the holiday seems to represent flash sales, football, parades, and odd combination of foods. By the way, I don't like turkey. I've tried all different kinds of spices, Pakistani spices. To spice it up, it doesn't work. Okay, sorry, going back to what I was saying. And a bunch of family drama over the dinner table, which doesn't really happen in my case because I normally meet with my friends and we hardly talk about anything controversial. And my family doesn't live in New York, so I don't see them as often. And to be honest, I've lived in this country for years before I even knew what the holiday represented. I know it's sad and I should have done more research, but I am lazy and I didn't. I just went along with the celebrations and I can never say no to pumpkin pie. But when I finally looked into its historical context, I was horrified to say the least. And don't get me wrong, I knew that this country was built on the genocide and continuous oppression of native people. But what shocked me was the complete dissonance between how Americans perceived Thanksgiving and what truly happened. So guys, here's what we are going to do today. And obviously I am not of native descent, so it would be kind of counterproductive if I sat here by myself and lectured all of you on the truth of Thanksgiving Day. I promise I am not going to do that. In fact, we have partnered with Nolin Paik, who is Cherikawa Apache and currently enrolled in the San Carlos Apache tribe. Her family founded Apache Stronghold, which is an organization that fights to protect sacred indigenous land. Together, we've created an episode to talk about the truth behind Thanksgiving, but the real purpose of this episode is to explore the themes that carry over in the present day. I know there's a lot that many of us don't know about, especially when it comes to current indigenous issues, so it's important to challenge these oversimplified historical narratives so that we have a deeper, more nuanced understanding of our country's history and the lives that were destroyed in the process. So bear with me as we embark on this journey of truth and discovery. I know there are going to be times when you will feel uncomfortable. You may even want to turn off and just go. But I really urge you to listen to this episode because we will learn a lot today. Together, I promise. Genocide, land violation, those are all events and patterns that still carry weight in modern-day indigenous issues, but they look much different today. Hopefully, you will leave today not only with a better understanding of the history of Thanksgiving, but you'll have a widened perspective on the continued oppression of indigenous populations. And that's what I'm trying to do through this episode. Let's get started. Thanksgiving in Mayas has always been some kind of romanticized event between two groups of people coming together. In second grade, I remember the Charlie Brown's Mayflower Voyagers. It was when the white pilgrim was getting ready to shoot the native guy that had the same skin color as I did. And in the end, the native people are the ones who helped the pilgrims. And thus, the United States was created. Look, Linus! He's not carrying any weapons! Welcome, Englishman. My name's Samoset. My people welcome you to our land. He speaks English. 
what we are generally taught about Thanksgiving, us, the newcomers, is that it was an event that brought people together. The pilgrims came sailing in on the Mayflower, landed on Plymouth Rock, and the native people welcomed them with open arms. I'm sure there are a lot of immigrants out there listening to this episode who are nodding their heads and saying, yes, that is the narrative that we hear. The natives then left, handing over their land to the pilgrims. This is a story we've heard over and over again. One that promotes the idea that natives willingly conceded to colonialism. Who does that? But when I was little, in my gut, I knew that it was wrong. I knew that there was another truth to the story of Thanksgiving, and that Thanksgiving was an inaccurate version of the one side story. So the question then becomes, what really happened? And in order to understand the true history of Thanksgiving, we have to go back, way back before this dinner even happened. To make it clear, the history of civilization in Americas did not start with Europeans. Please, stop saying that Columbus discovered America. Can we please stop doing that? Native people inhabited the Americas for at least 12,000 years. So in the 1600s, southern New England was heavily populated with a diverse group of native communities. These were the Algonquin-speaking people and they called their land the Dawnland. You may not know this, but many of their political leaders had been trading with Europeans for over a century, way before the pilgrims arrived. However, relations turned sour, as you can imagine, when these Europeans began to kidnap the natives to sell them as slaves. In 1616, European tradesmen brought a disease that quickly spread to the native people. In just three years, up to 90% of the people in the Dawn land had died from this disease. This period is known as the Great Dying. When it came to the pilgrims, many of them identified as separatists belonging to the Puritan sect. Their plan was to start a new colony in America that would preserve their national and religious identities. With the backing of wealthy English investors, they embarked on this new journey. They figured that once they settled, they could catch fish that would pay off their massive debt to these investors. They reached their first stretch of land when they hit Cape Cod. However, they soon found life on this quote-unquote new land to be less than ideal. They didn't know how to fish, they were running out of food, people were getting sick from living on the ship. Sounds like a recipe for disaster, right? Now guess what the pilgrims did? They stole corn that was buried in the sand by the natives. When that ran out, they stole from the grave of a native child and helped themselves to the finest things that were buried with the body. Do you see a pattern of looting? Because I do. And I want to say something here. Some of you may be feeling extremely uncomfortable with all that I have talked about so far, but to be honest, don't. I think it's important to reconcile with our history. If we do that, we can move on and better ourselves. And that's what we are trying to do right now. So going back to the narrative, they then set sail once again and reached New Plymouth. Contrary to what Americans are taught, there's no evidence that they landed on a specific rock, which we refer to as Plymouth Rock. Here's an interesting fact. 
the symbolic significance of Plymouth Rock was created 121 years later when a town record keeper reported on the rock. Going back to pilgrims, they began to build their new colony on a village called Pataxit where the population had been wiped out by the great dying that we already talked about. The land they settled on belonged to the Wampanoag tribe. A few months later, the historic encounter between Somerset and the pilgrims would occur. After this encounter, trades between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag began to take place. However, when recalling this bit of history, we have to make a key distinction. Despite what Charlie Brown may want you to think, remember Charlie Brown from the beginning of the episode? The Wampanoag didn't engage in relations with the pilgrims to welcome them to their land. The Wampanoag people had been severely affected by the previous epidemic brought by the Europeans. The chief basically wanted to use their alliance with the Europeans to protect the tribe from their tribal rivals. It was a decision based on survival. They basically created a peace treaty that ensured mutual protection in the face of an attack. The settlers had trouble adjusting to this new land. They were taught how to grow crops from the help of a man named Squanto, who is taught in American curriculums as someone who spoke perfect English. And there's a backstory for that. He served as a translator between the Wampanoag and the pilgrims. It's true, he did speak English very well, but that was because he was sold into slavery in his youth and was allowed to return at the approval of the people who enslaved him. By fall, pilgrims had a bountiful harvest. To celebrate, they held a feast that would become the famous first Thanksgiving. And contrary to what history tells us, there is no evidence that the Wampanoag were initially included in the plans to hold this feast. Basically, what happened was a group of pilgrim men were sent to hunt some birds. When the Wampanoag heard of this gunfire around the pilgrims, Massasoit sent over help thinking that they were under attack. When they got there, they were invited to join the feast. That's actually how the storybook Thanksgiving Feast ensued. But we can't just leave it there, right? Eventually, more and more Puritans arrived on native land. This was the Great Migration. They weren't concerned with any sort of peace treaty. And they certainly did not care to respect the livelihoods of the native people. To these Puritans, native people were wild and godless. What ensued after this was a series of conflicts, which would eventually turn into King Philip's War an incredibly violent and deadly conflict between the Wampanoag and the Puritans. Wampanoag people were killed, sold into slavery, but the lasting consequences of the war on native populations carried on for generations to come. I have always understood that to the native people, this was not a celebration, but it was a celebration for the massacre of our people. Yep. There it is. She's right. Ultimately, it's a celebration of the massacre of native people. You know what's unfortunate to me is that Americans are not taught the truth about Thanksgiving. Our school curriculums promote this idealized version of the story from an early age. Think about it. 
in our most impressionable ages, we are taught to think of Native history in this glossed over way. But for Indigenous communities, learning about this day looks very different. We don't teach this in our Native communities about Thanksgiving. This day was created by the federal government, implemented into mainstream society. Days like this are spoken as a sense of mourning. We go outside and we pray for those who have been lost. It's a day of prayer for the betrayal of our ancestors. Those spirits who were wrongfully murdered have been given the wrong story, and that's no justice. I think that in today's era brings hope that we can change the wrong history and bring truth to the creation of the United States and the days that were celebrated, including Indigenous Peoples Day. Indigenous communities since the creation of the United States have been the shadows of this country, the dust underneath the carpet. And today, Native people are not history. We are living, breathing, and striving people with diverse cultures. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving as a holiday. But there's more work to be done. The themes of Native oppression still play out today in drastic ways. When we think genocide, we think mass killing, war, gunfire, etc., but the mass killings of Native people have evolved to fit the context of our current political situation. Today, many issues still surface in regards to the genocide of my people. Genocide continues when it comes to the United States and the tribal government. Its trust responsibility is hardly there. And I think that when it comes to Thanksgiving, it explains in one way or another that so much has been taken from Native communities. Just as our ancestors before us, they were trying to protect what was theirs from the pilgrims. And in return, we're still doing that today. Much of what we have that is sacred and holy and our First Amendment rights are all being taken away. And we're trying to protect that. We are fighting for climate change and for the sacred lands to protect all of humanity, to protect you. Thanksgiving is the icing to the cake on the many different levels of discrimination and the suffering that our communities have always faced the time the steps of the colonizers. Native people are not the past. Today, we are the survivors of the fighters of a long history. And I'm very proud of that. I'm, I'm honored to come from that long line of strength of people, the resiliency that we have. And I want to remind the people that when indigenous people are born, we start our fight when we take our very first breath. This is because we are the people who were supposed to be exterminated by the United States government. I am a spokesperson to the Apache Stronghold. This organization was founded by my grandfather, Wensley Noji Sr. The Stronghold's mission has always been to revive spirituality by protecting the sacred sites and fighting for it. I think that I have been born into this fight because for generations my family have been fighters. I see the way my grandfather and his passion to protect the people and our future it has always resonated within me. I am not fighting for the fame or to be something important. I'm doing this so that I, as a girl, as a young woman, can have a normal life to be able to practice my First Amendment rights, and that's the religion, and to be able to be on my holy site. So when I fight and I bring awareness, it's so that not just me and not just my family and not just my people, but for all of us to have a future. I'm trying to live my own basic rights given to me by the Constitution. Yet in this world that we live in today, I have come to realize that those rights only reach so far. 
and this is because of systemic racism that lives here today. I am fighting against the injustices so that many of my future children have a better life. These rights that Native people are supposedly meant to have don't seem to be upheld by laws. In fact, the continuous implementation of new laws seem to directly undermine their rights. For many Native activists, it's an uphill battle when it comes to cementing basic rights in the legislative arena. And it's unfair. Absolutely unfair. Countless sacred lands are being taken from us from not just the Apache people, but when it comes to us, it's Oak Flat, which is a sacred and holy place that is being desecrated at this moment right now. A foreign mining company wants to mine the largest copper ore in North America, and that lays underneath the holy site, Oak Flat. This would have never been passed if it wasn't for the National Defense Authorization Act and the late Senator McCain who slipped it in as a midnight rider. And before then, it would have never been passed because of the National Environmental Policy Act that is supposed to protect us. And for decades, when people have been imposing this fight because this mine will demolish the entire area. It will demolish our history, our petroglyphs, our medicine, our sacred water. All of it will be gone for greed. Resolution Copper, the mining company, wants to do a blockade mining method. This method is the cheapest but the most detrimental to the environment. It will create a crater around the mining site. This was passed by the Senator McCain and was slipped to the Southeastern Arizona Land Exchange through the National Defense in fiscal year 2015. Through this, we'll turn over the Sacred Oak Flat, which is my home, and home where we can be free to the Apache people, now under private land to a foreign mining company called BHP Billiton and Rio Tinto. I would like to point out that Resolution Copper this completely overrules the trust responsibility between the United States and the St. Carl's Apache tribe. It's also another act by Congress to desecrate land that will bypass all federal laws. This is also a violation to the freedom of religion. Today, we are fighting for the sacred sites, not just Oak Flat, Mount Graham, but all over this nation. We are not the only tribe trying to protect our holy sites. There are countless sacred sites out there that our native people are fighting for. And in return, it's fighting for you so that you can have clean drinking water, so that your air is breathable, so that it's not too hot. What native people are trying to do is the stereotype put on us that we are tree huggers, that all we care about is mother nature. Mother nature can protect herself. We're protecting you. All we're doing as the native people are protecting us as human beings to be able to live on this earth because she won't be here as a planet, but it's us who won't be here. It also raises this question, guys. What do you do when the law, the government, refuse to protect you? Who do you turn to? So my question is, why won't the United States protect these precious land? Is it because we are indigenous? How can our religion be less than another religion out there? Why is a church more sacred than a holy site to Native people? This needs to end here and now. Enough is enough. Our voices need to start to be heard. We need to lift up that carpet and see what's underneath there because we have always been that dust, hidden, away from mainstream society. Holidays like Thanksgiving always create this kind of ignorance in mainstream society when there are real issues an entire group of people are facing. 
It takes all of us together to end the injustices that we face today. It takes unity to break this cycle. Either you be the bystander or get up and fight like the rest of us. For this is the fight for the future. It's not going to end. It's going to start here with you now. It seems to me that the answer is within us, the communities of people on the ground level. We have to take the initiative to fight for indigenous communities and it has to begin with re-educating ourselves as we are doing with this episode. You can take action first by where you live, the local places surrounding you. Non-indigenous people need to take the step back and question the history that is being taught and start asking yourself questions. This can be asking a question about the people who were once on the land that you live now Ask yourself about your ancestors and where they originate from because the lack of empathy to native people comes from not understanding. And in order to understand, it's up to you to want to learn about yourself and where you come from. Where do you originate from? What people do you come from? Because in one way or another, we all are indigenous and we're all colonized. So it's important to make a stand. It's important to learn who you are. It's all about identity. Don't let the misconception of Thanksgiving, Columbus Day, be your own thought of what it is to be Indigenous or Native American. Because I am just a 21-year-old young girl who wants to live her own life, doing the same thing as any other person out there in this world, trying to find herself and be who she is. But why do systemic racism continue to be the blockade for me to trying to live a life? Don't let this happen to my children. To be honest, we are all colonized people. That's a loaded sentence, but it's a bold, reflective way to end this episode. Ask yourself, how do I need to decolonize myself? This isn't to say that you should equate your experiences to indigenous experiences. No. Ask yourself what parts of yourself promote modern-day colonization. Has the way you think about issues been affected by colonized methods of teaching? What actions do you take on a daily basis that stem from colonized thinking? Are you supporting any politicians who uphold modern-day colonization? What about the brands you consume? So the fight for indigenous sovereignty is nowhere near over. The uphill battle continues regardless of who we elect as president But if there's anything that this year has taught us, it's the sheer power that comes when we mobilize on the ground level, right? But that change has to start on the individual level. We are not saying that you can't enjoy your turkey and pies. Believe you me, I love Thanksgiving. But be conscious of how you celebrate this day. How can you continue the narrative that calls for indigenous sovereignty? What can you contribute? Thank you for listening. In the end, I would like to thank our content writer, Sarah, for writing this brilliant, brilliant episode script. She has done an incredible job. She put her heart and soul into it, and I'm so proud to have her on our team. I want to thank Nolin for giving her perspective. I want to thank all our listeners for paying attention to be willing to learn from what we are trying to learn together. Take care until next time and happy Thanksgiving. Uh-huh.